Hey, this your Kenfo Kiyoshan, man. And it's a blessing for me to be in this session, the Heezy Podcast. And a new one is on the way. 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 Hoopcast on you bitches. Heezy Hoopcast. I can already let you know now this is about to be a bread uninterrupted. Me solo. Masturbating these hot takes. Watch your eyes. This session of the Heezy Hoopcast is brought to you by the new video from Pistol Paco. Good vibes, good karma. Go to YouTube and search the Pistol Paco. T-H-E Pistol Paco. And check out that new video. I'm also have the link in the description to this. So if you're listening on iPhone or shit, whatever you're listening to, if you're listening to it on a podcast app, you will be able to click that link and check out the video as soon as you're done with that or done with this. And at this time, like I always do, I got to give a memorial shout out. I got to say rest in peace to my big homie Kahuna and rest in peace to my homie Ray Jugoku. Hey, and then just a couple more shout outs just for the spirit, man. R.I.P. My nigga Twan Speaks. R.I.P. Nipsey Hussle, you know. So, oh yeah, and uh, on a on a slightly lighter note, I want to make sure I say happy birthday to the homie James Onyx Casher, a.k.a. 2030 Cash Cash, a.k.a. I'm probably going to change my name again in another year. This nigga changes his name more than Puff Daddy, but that's my guy. And that is his God-given right as an artist to do so. Wavy song-making nigga and everything. Awesome song. So check him out at 2030CashCash on Instagram and Twitter and shit. Show my guy some love. Tell him happy birthday. Bump some of his shit. Stream some of his shit. You know? So... What I'm doing today, man, I got the 100th episode coming, and it's going to be special. It's going to be an event. It's going to be a nanny of sorts, you know what I'm saying? But I'm trying to get a couple of the logistics and particulars together for that. So for now, I just got a round of hot takes, you know what I'm saying? I got the five hottest hot takes about the playoffs so far because I've been really just watching the playoffs and not really been potting about the playoffs and shit so i was like man let me get one off let me condense this all into the hottest hot takes that i got for these playoffs so far in round two and let them off right here on the hoop cast and shit you know and i think hot takes then kind of kind of lost their luster in the past few years with all the debate shows and all of the podcasts popping up but at the end of the day me personally i still think hot takes are fun because it's like you're going out on the furthest limb possible you know in front of everybody and probably increasing your chances really high of being wrong in front of the world and that's the thrill of it all that's my pleasure so, without further ado, in no particular order, I'm going to get into my number one hottest hot take so far in the playoffs. And you know it got to come from the deer whom you must fear, the Milwaukee Bucks and shit. And my first hot take is, hey man, Giannis has solidified his MVP status. 
And uh, my Heezy family, Scrappy Knicks, y'all owe me cases of beer and shit. You know what I'm saying? Every year in playoff time, we get these get these friendly wagers started and shit, man. And y'all know the playoffs is where I clean up. You got to call me playoff, <laughs> playoff prediction bread, goddammit. I'm in playoff mode on this shit. So, nah, man, but even though the most valuable player award is a regular season award um the respective high level performances from James Harden and Giannis Antetokounmpo have reminded us that the beard is an expert at glitching the game and exploitation while Giannis has no need for such legal cheating cuz he's manifesting the towel of Marshawn Lynch just running through a motherfucker face over and 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 over again and it's working 40.16 rebounds and the win last night for the freak bringing the fearsome deer to a 3-1 lead in this series versus the Celtics, even though um, James Harden on the other side of the game had 38 points and 10 rebounds himself last night. But, nah, man. Shit, he's just plain fucking unstoppable. You know, Harden kind of got a yeah, I don't want to say cheat. I don't like calling it cheating because it's, you know, largely legal what he does, but he's just kind of just glitching the game out. Like, you know, he's glitching and and Giannis is just plain fucking unstoppable right now, which actually brings me to my next hot take. My next hot take. Blah. Number two, with the Celtics at a three games to one deficit in this series, I don't think the series is totally over. Of course, I'm hashtag and fear the deer everywhere. Of course, you know, I'm popping that shit. Of course, I've been picked the books. And I've been fucking with Giannis all over the season and shit. But, you know, shit don't look promising for them. But I still maintain that this team has the slight edge over the Bucks in terms of total talent. And dare I even say the slight edge in coaching, you know. And, like, just to reiterate, I ain't saying that the Celtics have way more talent than the Bucks or way better coaching than the Bucks, but I look at it like the Bucks are like a spades hand with one big joker being Giannis, of course, and a handful of low spades that, you know, just seem to have been getting a job done. And a jack that seems to walk every fucking time in Pat Connaughton. And shout out to my nigga Pat Connaughton, man. I love it. I love a great squad with a nasty white boy on it and shit, man. Shout out to the nasty white boys in history. You know what I'm saying? Kurt Heinrich, uh, to a lesser extent, um, um, Matthew Delavadova and shit. And shout out to my guy, big homie Black, man. I was fucking around on Twitter last night. I was like, shit, nigga. You know, knowing the Delhi ended up on the Bucks. I'm like, hell, if the Cavs, when LeBron was there, would have had uh, Pat Connaughton snatching off all these offensive boards, getting uh, transition dunk yams and shit, he might have got two rings for the land instead of one. You know what I'm saying? But we can't do the revisionist history thing though so i just move right along but staying in line with the spades analogy um 
the Celtics are kind of like a hand with a king-queen combo for every suit and keep getting played out of their little joker, being Kyrie, of course. But, you know, fuck space, man. The Celtics, in theory, got more than enough firepower to swing the momentum back their way and mitigate the disadvantage that they now have to fight from. You know, so we'll just see how this turns out. Number three. Whew, are you getting hot yet? Uh, my, my upper lip is sweating. You know what I'm saying? That's usually the first thing on me to get to sweating. And once they get to sweating, I'm just splash mountain from that point on. But number three. I don't know if this is a hot take or just a hot proclamation, but I am not interested in watching any, 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 any more Rockets versus Warrior games ever. I am so sick of this matchup in the regular season, in the playoffs. I do not want them on a boat. I do not want them in a coat. I am so sick of us as a basketball community buying into this as an interesting matchup. I mean, myself, when the pre-KD Warriors used to always meet the Rockets in the playoffs like four years ago and beyond, I used to think, hmm, plenty of great shooters. This ought to be an exciting series. And in about two games, I always saw that it wasn't. So then you add KD and turn every series in the playoffs against the Warriors into a pipe dream of what if this unfavored team upsets the dynasty? But the Warriors ain't a dynasty. They are a fucking juggernaut who appears to be falling apart at the moment after attrition. But up until these playoffs... This roster, the system, the coaching, the front office management has been too close to perfect for the how D'Antoni got his groove back Rockets to be the ones to stop it all. Which somehow, I know I said no particular order, segues perfectly into my fourth hot take. This Rockets team is ass. Ass, 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 ass. Or at least the worst they've been since Dwight Howard was there. Um, I do think that there's a reasonable level of brilliance to how well they hide it. Like, this roster is not a playoff roster. It's not built to make the playoffs. It's not built to survive in the playoffs, especially. But... Because they did make the playoffs and they did survive the first round against the Utah Jazz who donated their J in their name to charity. First round. People want to conveniently fall into this emotion of the Rockets as overcomers and the huge sleeper pick. But look, here's the thing. I can't think of a team. Stick with me on this. I can't think of a team who runs their offense based on a more stringent formula than the Rockets. Formulas, mathematically or scientifically, are comprised of mostly numbers. And that's how they run their shit. And that's definitely some bold shit to have human players so enslaved to numbers expecting it to yield some type of success. Which it has. Some 
type of success. But this 2018-2019 Rockets team right here, right now, don't even have the ingredients for their own formula. They have the numbers and the measurements down to a T, but running that layups in threes offense with Austin Rivers, Gerald Green, Amon Shumpert, and the vaguely reliable Eric Gordon, and expecting to conquer the craziest juggernaut the league has ever seen with that? Well, look, I look at that like the time I had lemon pepper seasoning, but didn't have no chicken wings. But I did have chicken ramen noodles. So I was like, eh, fuck it. This ought to taste just like lemon pepper wings. And it didn't. You know what it tasted like? Tasted like the disappointment of an asshole with astronomically unrealistic expectations. This shit is like that episode of Three Six Mafia, or that episode that that Three Six Mafia. That that this is like. <laughs> Shout out Three Six Mafia, man. This is like that episode of that Three Six Mafia reality show where Big Trees and Sugarfoot ain't have no whipped cream to get freaky with. So they mix ranch dressing and sugar in a bowl and they took it to the bedroom. The Rockets are trying to get freaky with a bowl of ranch dressing and sugar mixture. And I understand how you get there. Like, you pay Harden. For the superstar he's been to a massive city with massive demands like Houston. You pay Chris Paul as a means of helping that superstar out. You reward Clint Capella with a payday for all of his hard work and dedication. The only money you have left is to get players from the scrap heap on their way out of the league. Because they're excited to get a call from anybody, let alone a team with future Hall of Famers like Harden and CP3. So, you know what I'm saying? That's how you also get them to buy into the low pay that you have to give them because you ain't got no cap room where you coming to help future Hall of Famers, superstars succeed. So, I get it. But when you have no money left for whipped cream, I'd almost rather we just have topping free regular regular sex than for you to show up with ranch dressing and sugar in a bowl and tell me it's anything remotely similar. I don't know if that makes sense at all, but at the end of the day, the Rockets have a certain type of offense that they could win with, a certain type of philosophy that they could win with. They just don't actually have the people to pull it off with. <laughs> like, you know, so. And the series is tied at 2-2, you know, so. You know, we're going to fall back into the place. Oh, can it happen? Is it going to happen? Man, look, man. Shh. Hey, man. I, I, somebody going to have to give me some type of wage. Like, if the Rockets actually win this, man, I need some way to punish myself for being so severely wrong about this team. Punish myself before the world in the most self-deprecating way possible. But, anywho. My fifth and final hot, hot take for this round of the playoffs and shit, at least so far. 
unless Dame blacks out and channels the spirit of Michael Jordan in 91, the Blazers can't withstand the Nuggets. I know the series is tied at 2-2, and that's why this is the perfect time to get this hot take off now. Everything's even, and I just want to throw this out there. I love Dame Dagger, as I so affectionately call him now. And this is probably the best Blazer squad since LaMarcus left. Even with Nurkic out and Ennis Cantor averaging 68 minutes a game with a separated shoulder. And Cantor has dead ass been impressive with how he's played with his injury. Like, I don't know what kind of war-torn homeland hoops mentality that shit is, but shout out to him and whatever country he's from i probably should should know this as a matter of fact just for the sake of not sounding ignorant i'm going to hashtag live google this shit so ennis canter from yeah yeah we're just gonna keep it from turkish so is he from turkey um he was born in switzerland so i guess you know he he's swiss by birth um i don't know if he's from turkey or some other war-torn country in the vicinity of he's from like serbia or some shit i don't know but this is the most time the ennis counter has ever got on this hoop cast so we're gonna keep this shit pushing shout out to ennis counter uh but given the fact that this is a good Blazers team, but with no Nurkic and Cantor is playing at a slightly less healthy version of himself, this nigga Dame has to be flat out unstoppable. I know we still got uh we still got Rodney Hood out there, we still got CJ McCullum and we still got a cast of supporters and shit, but the Nuggets got a cast too, goddamn it. You know what I'm saying? So Dame has to be the absolute best player, the absolute supernova of this series and shit. Because the Nuggets have the benefit of those home games at elevated altitude in Denver. They got home court advantage in the playoffs. Um, They have a lot of playmakers slash scores in Jam- young Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, the veteran Paul Millsap, and to some extent, you know, they got Will Barton. And those people are maximized by their best player, Nikola Jokic, being their most visionary passer. Like, when your best player can score from damn near anywhere on the court and lead your team in assisted buckets and is your biggest physical presence on the court, he controls that game now. And in the playoffs, that person controls the series, which is why um, the Blazers got their ass waxed by the Pelicans last year because last year it wasn't Jokic, it was Anthony Davis. And even though Anthony Davis is probably a bigger, better, stronger offensive force, 
Um, Jokic is just such a such a such a facilitator, like just more in that. In that LeBron realm of things, you know, hashtag white brawn. We're going to try to get that hashtag going. All Dame and CJ have to do is fall out of rhythm offensively and boom, now it's an uphill battle for them. Jokic is damn near never out of rhythm because he's extremely present and patient in these intense moments whether it's intense in the moment or just intense as a series or whatever, he's always poised and he's not even looking to score first anyway. He's looking to establish the offensive philosophy and then weaponize all of his awesome role players. And when you have an already good team led by somebody that damn tall, that damn skilled, and that damn unfazed by the pace of the game the way he is. Whew. Brandon Roy ain't walking through that door, Portland. I don't know. I don't know if I could give good-ass, great-ass, basketball-y intellectual reasons as to why the Nuggets have the edge over the Blazers, but I just try, and I do think that they have the edge over the Blazers and shit, so, you know, maybe just the heads just a little bit, unless Dame just blacks the fuck out, taking the Nuggets, Nuggets got them out of here, man, Dame Dagger will have to resheath that dagger until next season. And that's five hot takes. And, you know what I'm saying, niggas might have noticed that um, a series got left out. Sixers and Raptors. Well, I ain't really got no hot takes for that series and shit, man. It's a good series with a lot of good players. And, you know, just nothing particularly interesting happening and shit. And I think it may have more so to do with me than the players on the court. Um, Because I always hate watching the Raptors in the playoffs. I don't know why. I don't know why the vibe of that team just never caught on with me, but they just always have been a boring-ass team to have to watch. And even though they have the incredible Kawhi Leonard leading them now, it's fucking Kawhi Leonard. I mean, the most quiet superstar in sports history. And then you got Marcus Gasol supposed to be alongside him, but he's not doing, you know, very much. And he's not very much of a personality on or off the floor either. So, you know, it just is what it is. I love Joel Embiid and the process posse. So, you know, just my my heart wants me to pull, wants me, I mean, wants them to pull it out. But eh, it's just like whatever. The rest of these series, you know, I just actually had shit that I could get off about him. This one is just like just really, really good. You know, just good basketball. Good old good clean basketball. Yeah, so yeah. Hey, once again, I'm out of here, but hundredth session coming soon. Uh it's gonna be super illy. And the new Paco Good Vibes Good Karma video is out. We shot that bitch in Denver and had a lot of fun doing it and shit so check that out paco edited the video directed the video all that good shit so you know 
just give my man the small reward of his hard work with just a little bit of your time and a watchful eye. Until next time, sluts and gentlemen. I'm Bridge vs. Yoga. This is the Heezy Hoopcast, and class is dismissed.